Hey folks, it's Tony Russo from the So What's Your Story podcast. Before we get started with the show today, I just wanted to invite you to join me at the Del Mar Library on June 19th. That's Wednesday night, 6 p.m. And I'll be talking about how to get your own podcast started. And if people are interested in starting to plan out their own show, I'd be happy to help them. If you have any questions or for more information, you can reach out to the Del Mar Public Library's Facebook page where the event is, or you can email me, tony at russodigital.com. Now, enjoy the show. And the first thing I do, or I used to do when I created novels, was to get a high-level outline of what each chapter should be, and then I develop each the scenes in each chapter, and then I start developing the, the spreadsheet from that. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? a podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous Today writing podcast, stuff that we want we to talk Frank about. Frank Hopkins, who has released his fifth book titled The Billion Dollar Embezzlement Murders, which features Paul Hoffman and Margaret O'Hare from his 2017 novel Abandoned Homes, Vietnam Revenge Murders. The pair become entangled in a murder case that starts in Delaware and follows them to the beautiful Isles of Greece, as they also become the targets for the criminal mastermind, Hank Strong. And today, Frank is here to chat with us about his new book. So welcome back to the podcast, Frank. Well, thank you for having me. We're always delighted to, to have you back on the podcast um, as you continue to write, write, write. <laughs> um, so one of the things I wanted to chat with you about is this novel is a little different for you because it's your first sequel. All your other books were sort of standalone, but this one you brought back two characters. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about the decision to, to create a sequel here. Uh, it arose from various sources. One, people who read the first book, they liked uh, Hoffman and O'Hare. And they wondered why they didn't get married at the end of the book. Well, they just sort of left it off. And uh, I pressured to continue that uh, sequence. And then I was also monitoring a, uh, a session at the... Creativity, uh, Crime, and Creatures Conference last year, September, and a number of the authors who were fairly well-known wrote a uh, series and asked them why they did that rather than standalone books. And they said, because they sell better and it's easier to write. You have the setting, you have most of the characters already set up, so you don't have to start that over again, which explained to me why romance writers can put out 100 books in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's uh, several of the, like... Uh the Alex Cross books, like a lot of the thriller books are like that, where you know the detective and you know the detective's like foibles. And like, so you're comfortable with him right at the beginning or her right at the beginning. And so that closeness makes it easier for you to just accept more and to just, I mean, they're always very plot driven, these books, but they're not, and that's not a criticism. It's just that you, you've got, it's all plot. It's like character development was in books one, two, two, and three. Go ahead and check out them if you want. But these are, this is the same guy you've been reading. This is book number 20. If you don't know him by now, pick another three books, you know. Uh, but I'm wondering when you, when you do a thing like this, when you reuse characters for the first time, how much self-referential stuff do you do and how much like exposition do you do to make sure that people who maybe you're picking this book up first are already caught up by the time it matters. Well, I did have them get married in the, the second book, and that took about two to three chapters to get to that stage. But I've learned that in a thriller book, which hopefully this will be since the <laughs> first one was, uh, 
I started the first chapter with a murder, uh, with a very deceptive murder of uh, the mastermind Hank Strong, uh, drugging uh, one of the individuals who helped in the crime, the software developer, and then five chapters later, uh, you find out how he disposes of them. And of course, an abandoned home in Delaware, since we have so many of those. And, and it's the title of my first book. Yeah, you've got the, right, the, right. the abandoned home book. And when you're, when you're bringing these characters back, do you know like how much, um, how much more you want to develop them, or do you want to leave them pretty much as they were when we left them last time? You know, is there, you know, since we last left our heroes, any of that? Well, I had to develop them more because they were having more of a romantic relationship, especially when they're getting married. Uh, in my critique group, uh, and other people who read it said. There's not much emotion between this man and this woman. And I said, well, men don't have that much emotion. <laughs> I was told, well, one of them is a woman. You better get good conversations going. Right. And so that's when I really changed uh, uh, the approach to the characters. I tried to put more romance into the situation. And how do you, do you, how'd you go about that? Well, I have a friend, uh, and I just remembered some of our conversations as we developed our relationship. And nice. use them, and that answers your first question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that, that that that's exactly the thing. Like you, you just you fall back into a place where you remember. I've I've I dabble in fiction for fun occasionally, and it's always interesting about like how you can like lose time. Like, I don't I don't ever lose time when I'm writing nonfiction because I'm always really concerned about how much this matches up with reality, what kind of statement are we making, blah, 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 blah. But when I'm working on nonfiction, I'm like, well, you know, what if there were vampire bats? I mean, I don't say that. But, <laughs> but, but the idea is like, I feel like my imagination is more engaged and that kind of removes time from the equation. Does that happen to you or am I? Well, no, most of my work, even in short stories, uh, tends to be writing about uh, realistic uh, human political situations, mm -hmm. and since you're dealing with history, time is very important. So when I lay out my novels, I have a very strong timeline. And of course, during the writing, I might change something and have to go back and make sure it's consistent with the timeline, and that all the characters' reaction at a different point in the timeline are consistent. Yeah, I remember, I think you and I talked about this before, you had mentioned that you keep track of your timeline and your chapter timelines via an Excel spreadsheet. Correct. And so that way you know, okay, well, if I change something here, you've got a very clear way to go back and, and check if, if this matches up. Correct. And it's a huge spreadsheet. I have no doubt. I cannot imagine. Every scene has a column, and uh, each of the rows in the column uh, or some attribute of the scene itself, who's in it, uh, what the dialogue is, the weather, the location, what it follows from, and then the, I have an introductory sentence in there in the spreadsheet, and then the transition sentence to the next scene. I want to I want to get you to talk about it again, only because it's fascinating, and I think it would be very very useful for a lot of people. Now, is this something that you reverse engineer? Like, do you write the chapter and then put it into the spreadsheet? Or do you start with the spreadsheet and say, okay, the ch I know it's going to start like this, and I know it's going to end here, and I know these things are going to happen, and then use that kind of like as a skeleton to go back after the scene or the chapter? Uh, it's not reverse engineering. The first thing I do, or I used to do when I created novels, 
was to get a high-level outline of what each chapter should be. And then I developed each, the scenes in each chapter. And then I start developing the, the spreadsheet from that. Uh, but I, at this conference that uh, I went to last fall, uh, I heard a talk by Jerry Devers. I actually didn't hear the talk, but a friend of mine, Paul Curran, told me about it, so I listened to it later. And the topic of his talk uh, was 15 rules, or 13 rules that he used for writing commercial fiction. And one of them was how he develops his outline. He's like me. He's very detailed, wants to, hold, to know everything that goes on before he starts writing. And his books might be 300 pages, 200 pages. He'll have half of them done before he starts anything. But the first thing he does is he gets a bunch of post-it notes. And any idea that, he, that comes to him that he thinks should be in the next novel, he just puts it up there randomly. And when he's satisfied with that, he then looks at them all, and then he develops his outline. So I'm in the process of doing that for the third book in the series. That's fun. So it's like, how do I, this is, this would be cool if this happened. How does it fit? Right, exactly. And so while the way I originally did it, there's a lot less rewriting. I think this new way, there'll be almost minuscule rewriting because I'll have considered most of the things that should be in the book. And either used or discarded them before you even sat down. Exactly. Right. Now, of course, uh, I'll think of other great ideas. From, yeah. <laughs> of course. I mean, you take good friends, but. Yeah. Uh, at least have it, uh, all the important things identified. You're listening to So What's Your Story? And this week, our guest is Frank Hopkins. Remember, you can hear this show and all of our shows at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com. Yeah, that kind of speaks to, you know, there's that sort of running theory with people like, are you a, you know, are you a pantser or not? You know, do you write by the seat of your pants? Do you, you know, there's that school of thought of, you know, people just sit down, they start telling a story, and then they kind of fall into the story as they go. And then there are other people who make an outline, and then they are, you know, strictly follow that outline. So I'm going to go with you being a strict outliner, not, not a fly by the seat of your pants. Right. And that comes from my experience in business development for government contracts. When we answer a proposal, it has to be very specific to what the request for the proposal is. And so everything is outlined ahead of time. Uh, the length of the pages, the paragraphs. Uh, so it's a very disciplined approach. And since I made a very good income doing that, I figured I could do the same with writing. Yeah, it's a transitional still skill. For the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's different when you're when you're earning eighty six cents a time instead. <laughs> of course, I had a staff of thirty people helping me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when you're, I, I want to talk a little bit more about this this. You didn't know you were writing a sequel until you sat down to write it. So you tied everything up well enough at the end. So this is less, I think, a sequel and more uh, like more like a like a Tom Patterson, James James Patterson kind of uh, like I, I was mentioning like Alex Cross. Like this, right. these these are these are these characters and they are in different situations. Do you feel like these are characters you're going to just stay with as you continue well, to do books? Well, the main characters, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, it's, I was, it was, I was, I was in my twenties and I really loved these uh, burglar books of the burglar in the library, the burglar who went to dinner or whatever. And it was very much like that. There were, there was one main character. He was a professional burglar. And then there were like his, his neighbor and his quirky maid and, and they, they would make appearances and you'd see them in the books. And it was like, 
very much, I guess, like reading a, a sitcom kind of thing where people come in and you're like, oh, I know, all, you know, I know this person. This person's going to do this kooky thing or this person's going to do this serious thing. So do you have very many uh, ancillary characters that you've brought with you from the first book to the second and have developed like that? Is that something that you, do you think well, it has value? The in? first book, Abandoned Homes, Vietnam, Revenge Murders, was set in Delaware, mainly because the number of abandoned homes and I lived here so I knew the setting right and so I had some fictional characters in the uh, Delaware State uh, Troopers right uh, stationed in Georgetown and a lot of those were carried over into the second book now the third book uh, which is tentatively titled counterfeit drugs is going to be set mainly in the Outer Banks of North Carolina uh, and so there won't be the police force there won't be the interaction between the police which occurred in the first two books this will be uh, Margaret Hoffman and Paul O'Hare independently working uh, basically for a drug company who's trying to find out who's counterfeiting their drugs. You just said something very interesting that I don't know if you're prepared to even answer this question, but I hope you are. How did she decide whether or not to keep her name? Uh, most women do nowadays keep their name. Yes, we do. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just and curious. Having, having two daughters, strong women, I... Uh, gravitate toward that type of woman there you go i, I like it but uh, did, did you did you go through that in the book was that something that you no that they, was not no. a consideration <laughs> at all <laughs> it's just funny even, when it's you, the first time i've heard about it actually <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, well I, only I, I have a vowel at the end of my name and we're very clannish so we we we, we like everybody who's with a family to have the same name kind of thing so I was just, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was when you, when you, when you said that they had different last names in the, in the second book, I'm like, well, that's a, that's a, it's at least a conversation that has to be had, right? Among people who are going to get married, like, are, are we going to, to, to keep the name or, or not, are we having the same well, name? Well, it's or are a we different not? when you get married in your 20s or early 30s than when you're 50s and early 60s. Oh, I guess when you're, when you're more, when you're more established right. and, and you, you have, have all your, of these business cards. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, um, Patty and I kept our names because I didn't want anyone to think we were sisters. Yeah, that's uh, that, that was that was something that had that had never occurred to me. And once you said it, I looked around, and that that's a that's a that's a common thing. It's like, no, it's not my brother. No, <laughs> she's not. She's not my sister. She's my wife. <laughs> but um, one of the one of the interesting things I think you did with um, the billion dollar investment murders is you also had the protagonist. They're authors. They've written a story about their experiences in the first book. And I just was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about the choice to have, you know, you're an author and to make a, you know, you have now you have one of your characters function or both of your characters functioning as authors. What was that choice for? Well, I don't know what my subconscious motivation was, <laughs> but the, the uh, Paul O'Hare was an ex professor and they write a lot of stuff sure. if you want to get tenure and I used to do that for a living for 10 years so I knew that role and then he meets this very attractive detective who actually thinks he's causing murders and he's trying to figure out a way to get to befriend her so they'll have a long-term relationship and nothing better than writing a book together because there you're doing that for a year at least yeah for sure and that's my conscious choice. Now, I have no idea what my subconscious motivation is. Do you feel like that kind of provided a, an interesting um, sort of experience for the characters to, to be authors? Was it a little 
vicarious living or was it just sort of a, a fun, fun plot device that you It was kind of a fun plot device. Then the first draft of the book, I had too much author talk in there and uh, my editor told me to cool it. So I cut out about <laughs> 20 pages of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and working together is always going to going to be a, a point of like there's automatic conflict it's like they work together it's like all right well now i don't have to worry about creating conflict it's going it's going to come up did you find that when you were writing conflict came up in ways you didn't expect or were were were, were the creative conflicts things that you you felt were going to happen well there wasn't too much conflict between them because they're on their honeymoon mm -hmm. at that point uh, in greece and right you know you can't argue too much about <laughs> things like that so there they were they were they were of one mind when they were when they were working together correct yes oh. they're the ideal couple like most marriages i are. see <laughs> <laughs> so when you're writing and and you know talking about you know letting your characters you know be authors at the same time you know is there a conscious thought on your part or not about how much of you i mean you are an author you know like here's paul he's an ex-professor here's you know frank who's a you know ex-economic guy you know how much of the how much of you bleeds into him well the location binghamton university is where i used to teach so that does obviously bleed in but i think he's more independent than i would be uh, in going through the first book where he was suspected and then he, he dealt with margaret and uh, Developed a relationship. I don't know if I'd be that smart. <laughs> <laughs> and also, no one's ever really considered you as a murder suspect. As far as we know. As far as we know. I'm sure some people have thought I should be a murder victim, <laughs> but maybe not a suspect. I feel like the neighborhood kids are probably like, he's got guys, he's got. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, how far are you into this into this next book? Like, are, are, have you have you done? How are you doing your promotion on the current book, and what is the next book shaping up Well, like? the first book won uh, a prize from the Maryland Writers Association for the best uh, mystery thriller mm. uh, novel in 2018, so I'm really relying on that quite a bit, plus a prize I won for the short story collection first time. Right. And that's sort of the cornerstone of, of my marketing. And so when I go to a bookstore uh, to sell the books, I have all those uh, credentials displayed and then I talk about the first book as a thriller and uh, <clears throat> that you can't put it down. That's what people tell me. So if you want to go to the beach, you have to be very careful because eight hours later, it'll be very sunburned. <laughs> and then I talk about the short story book, first time, that it's you can read a story in an hour or two hours and you'll be very safe reading that. So right. that's the, the spiel that I use. I've also started a, uh, a Facebook group called uh, a Hoffman and O'Hare Mystery Group. Oh, that's oh, fun. Nice. Yeah, and I hopefully will continue that. And you know, I told the members what, exactly what was happening with the publication. Mm. Uh, and now that it's out, I'm starting to talk about uh, the new book. And since the second uh, the uh, second book had so much increase, I've taken some posts of friends of mine that I know who have been in Greece touring, and I showed them what the photos are of what I was talking about in the book. And I say in Santorini, these three characters are here, and this is what they did, and it's beautiful. You should all go. That's that's fascinating. I I wonder often as I'm working on, I mean, like so so I do the This Is War podcast, and I and I come across stories, and I'm like, I I want to tell people that this is going to be in the next episode, but then I don't want to, you know, I I don't 
I don't want to, you know, force it upon them. And, and I also don't, don't want to worry about spoilers. So, um, do you, do you find people react? Well, you, I guess you don't do, use any spoilers when you're. Uh, not really. No, it's just very general that they went to Crete and they enjoyed Crete and they traveled around. And this is what Crete looks like. And then, then yeah. I had a, uh, an aerial photo of Crete and then the islands north of Crete mm -hmm. that, uh, that were in the book. That's very people cool. People like the, the photography. Well, I, I also think that I think that that is like, you know, vacation photos from a book. Um, like, you know, this is the honeymoon of these two fictional characters, real photos. You yeah, know, right. I, I think that's I, 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 I just I think that's ingenious as a whole. Yeah. And so when you started the Facebook group, are you posting things as like our our I mean, I assume you don't make Paul and Margaret post into the, the Facebook no, group. No, this it's, is just it's kind of, me. okay, gotcha. Right. Gotcha. But, but they, but you're keeping them apprised of what's going on with the new book as well to kind of build up anticipation. Correct, yes. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what, I guess that was my, what, what my question was getting at. Like, sometimes I don't know if I'm going to use a story or not. And that's another reason I'm like, oh, this would, I would like to say, put this quote out there, but then if I put the quote out there and I don't use it in in the in the episode, I feel like I've kind of cheated. So, are you worried that you're going to tease stuff that you're going to end up not using, or is that not an issue? Uh, not really. Um, Why? Yeah, if I don't use it, hopefully I can I can explain why I didn't use it, or hopefully no right. one will remember. Right. right. Which is not good for the yeah, author's marketing. I, well, I guess I guess that is the vanity. Like I'm like, oh, if I don't, if I put this out and I don't use it, people will know. No, no they they won't know. Well, no. for instance, now <laughs> what I'm doing is uh, research, mm. and I think Amazon is a great resource. So I went, I ordered about eight books on the pharmaceutical industry, how things are produced, the laws, and everything. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll know what I'm doing when I start talking about that part of the book. And um, you're basing this in uh, the Outer Banks. Would you? I thought you didn't. You go to Greece two years ago. Am I crazy? Uh, no, I went to Greece two oh. years ago, and I sent back a lot of photos and uh, <laughs> <laughs> travel off. Yes. But you were saying like you asked friends for pictures. I'm like, I, I think he went to Greece. Yeah, I think what happens well, is I haven't showed I haven't showed my pictures. I see. But I think it's more powerful if you have. Uh, like, like the, the Greek friendship group or something, use their pictures right, or, yeah, or yeah. a traveler that I know. So I think like Frank goes on vacation and says, this would make a lovely background. This would make a lovely setting for my characters to do X, Y, and Z. And then he writes it in. Yeah, I think that's what's right. kind of happening. Now, a lot of my friends uh, have said, are you going to charge your Greek expenses off to your book? I said, no, I don't think I want to go to jail. Because <laughs> <laughs> they did the same thing traveling to Florida this year. I had uh, postings of that trip. Mm -hmm. pictures. Um, and you, you, so you go to the Outer Banks as well then is my, is I my have a little timeshare there. Yes. Yeah. So I go in first week in May and, oh, so you're back. Welcome back. Uh, well, it was only a week. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I came back three weeks ago. <laughs> I couldn't tell from your tan. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then, so like how much of, how much of the places that you vacation are going to feature in well, this new book? Since you were speaking of tan, I want to <laughs> clarify that. Uh, my friend Sally was able to go to the beach every day, mm -hmm. but I just stayed in that room because of my fair Irish guy. I, yeah, no, I know. This is a white dude. Cancer, skin cancer a number of times, and I finished uh, oh, the second broke. book. Oh, good for you. I, I got it out on May 2nd. Basically. There you go. You're listening to So What's Your Story, and this week our guest is Frank Hopkins. Remember, you can hear this show and all of our shows at com.
And how far are you into the third book now? Or do you have your, your Excel spreadsheet outline no, done? No, no. Or the you... first thing I'm doing is the equivalent of the... Uh, the post-it notes? Post-it notes. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And reading the pharma stuff, which has got to be scintillating. Exciting. Oh, God. I, I mean, it's got to be, like, keep you up at night, right? I don't know. I haven't started. Actually, I started one last night, and I got the second page, and I was asleep. Well, oh, I, I wonder about how often that has killed a, a project. I know that there are some things that I start reading. I'm like, you know what? I like, I actually, I, I was working on this coyote project and I read a bunch of stuff and it was fascinating. And I'm like, oh, well, I could do this. And there was, there've been other times where, where like my second book and I'm like, you know what? I do not care. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to know enough about this to speak intelligently about it. So I'm not well, going to enjoy if myself. If you were an academic and you read professional articles on economics, mm. Not much is boring after that. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but it's to an end. Like it's it's to an end that you're excited about. You know, right. actually, one of one of my great tragedies is I didn't realize that I could have become uh, an economic journalist, which I would have loved to do because the economic journalism is fascinating and and often really really well done. And I guess the trouble is there aren't enough good writers doing it. Um, and so when you're when you're tackling these things, it. it you have to have a passion for the idea, I think, to, to get through like, a, you know, six pharma books. You know, you, you've got to really want to write the story and it's got to be something. Well, I think the passions from uh, the fact that millions of people are dying from bad drugs mm. in the yeah. United States. Uh, and there are, I, I read 400,000 uh, people die from uh, misapplication uh, of uh, prescriptions in the hospitals. Yeah, it's, it's a very big problem. So I thought this might help a little. And that's sort of how I choose my topics. Uh, abandoned homes, uh, Vietnam revenge murders. I realized nobody under 60 has any remembrance of the Vietnam War. And yet today we keep going into wars, not realizing how expensive they are, that people die from them. And so I hopefully thought that this book might uh, shed some light on that. So there's a the domestic impact of the war when people were hurt. So, so there's there's a moral center, even though it's it's it's, it's kind of like a mystery novel. It, it still oh, has yes, a moral center. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I never, I never, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, and I think that you know, taking something that's you know sort of dry toast, like you know reading these pharma books, but then finding a way to spin. Of course, you have to get your facts right. I mean, right, that's the main reason. I'm reading. Yeah, you have to get your facts right, but then to take okay, now I know all this factual, boring stuff. And now to then turn it into, you know, a mystery thriller. I mean, that's got to be the part where you go, okay, now the fun begins. Exactly. Well, it's fun all the way through, except the <laughs> editing, the writing, the marketing. <laughs> it's all fun, except for all of it. I, I suspect you like the marketing. You seem to really enjoy yourself when you go, because you, you, you go to book fairs and stuff like that. And I do, you're, yes. You're like a regular old, like, carnival hawker out there. Just uh, You are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but you seem to enjoy that. Do you enjoy doing Because you do a bunch of shows. Like, that's something... well, I used to do that for a living, so it's not that hard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go to zoning meetings for a living, but I would never, I would never do that on purpose. <laughs> do you have any uh, book signings coming up? Uh, yes, I have one uh, this Saturday in Hocasin uh, at the Hocasin Bookshelf, uh, which is a city just outside of... Uh, Delaware. Is this uh, Saturday? What's the date? Yeah, is, is this is this Saturday? Uh, June first, I believe. Okay, pick, so four pick, to six. Pick a different Saturday that you're having one, like, oh, maybe the fifteenth. Do you have anything from the fifteenth forward? Uh, yes, I do. I am doing Bethany uh, Beach Books on July seventh. 
which is the Sunday of the July 4th weekend. Nice. And hopefully it will not rain because that is usually done outside. Yeah. Where you thousands of people walk. That's the I've, I've been there. That's that's a, that's a hard day. <laughs> that was that wasn't the final straw, but it was really close to the final straw. I'm like, really, like I, I'd, I'd rather I do better. I would have done better selling ice or like soda out of a cooler than just standing there. And people are like, what are you doing? I'm selling this book. Why would I want a book? I'm 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 standing in line for ice cream, but. I, well, I don't have your skill. I Frank. have a different approach. Yes, I know you do. <laughs> we know you have a different <laughs> You should write a book on your approach. I yeah. think that's what we need, Frank. <laughs> the Hard Sell by Thousands Frank Hopkins. have been written. <laughs> that's a good by Frank by Frank Hopkins. <laughs> All right, Stephanie, this is the part of the show where you thank the guest. Well, Frank, thank you so much for coming back and being on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at sowhatsyourstorypodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review. Tell your story.